This is just the most massive, massive privilege. I've been spending time thinking, God, what is, what's your message to us? What's your message to me for this next year? And, you know, just over 2,000 years ago, a couple came to an inn asking if there was room for them. And no room was made, and they were pushed out to the stable. And today, that's what I want to ask you. Is there room in your life for the king? Is there room in your life for the king? Will we give him room? And how much will we give him? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just are so incredibly thankful that our relationship with you is living, that you speak to us, that you draw us near, that you call us to great things, even though they often require us to lay things down. And Spirit, I just pray that today that you would speak to each one of us this morning, that you would highlight areas that we need to clean out to make room for you. I thank you for the kindness and the hope that you pull us to. We just pray for your presence to be here in a fresh way, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. So many years ago, Dave and I lived in Taiwan for five years. And how many of you have ever experienced Chinese New Year or been around someone who celebrates Chinese New Year? Only a few. So one of the big things about Chinese New Year is the lead up to it. It is this massive um, focus on cleaning. So we, we didn't know any of this. And suddenly... A lot of our colleagues were going home every weekend to visit their parents, and they, we'd see them on the Monday, and we'd say, well, what did you guys get up to this weekend? And they'd say, no, we just cleaned. We took every piece of furniture out of the house, we cleaned it, we dusted, then we put everything back, and this sounded like a lot of work. But it was, so much of it was because they believed that to go into the new year with broken things or with things that were linked to bad experiences, things that they felt maybe were just too dusty, they didn't want the bad luck of the old broken things to go with them into the new year. Many of them would go out and buy new furniture, um, repaint, do all kinds of things, because they wanted new things for a new season, and to put away the bad, broken, doomed things. And I'm not asking us to believe in good and bad luck in that. But I do really feel that there's a call of God for us to do some spiritual spring cleaning. And I just want us to read the scripture from 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. And it says, Because we have these promises, just think about all the promises that God has given us. Dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. And I really feel like the new season God is wanting to bring us into 
is going to be a place where before we get there, he's asking us to make room, to clean out, to take out of our lives things that defile the body or spirit. And the reason is because we fear him. So today, I'm going to be speaking about how we make room. And over the last few months, I've become really aware of my tendency towards staying in a place anchored in the natural, anchored in my understanding, my knowledge, a place of extreme self-reliance. And what's scary is I've been a Christian for 41 years. I gave my life when I was five years old. And it's very easy, very easy to build my life and to live my life in a way that's disconnected from a state of desperation and dependence on God. And that really, really hit me. Because a few weeks ago, we were in Life Group and we've been doing the series on prayers that changed the world. And there's this one scripture in Colossians 1, 9 to 11. And it says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And in my daily life, that was my prayer. Almost every single day, I was praying, God, give me wisdom, give me understanding, give me spiritual wisdom and complete knowledge. And it was like I'd forgotten this whole other side. So let's read on. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And I realized in that life group, I'm always praying about wisdom, but I can't actually remember the last time as part of my daily prayer, where I was saying, God, I need your power. God, I need endurance. I need patience. Lord, I need joy. Lord, I need to be living in light. I want to see your kingdom come. And that's the fullness of the gospel. There's got to be space for his power to come. It's not just about my knowledge and understanding and wisdom. And I suddenly found myself realizing I had grown too reliant on knowing what to do and using my own power to execute it. And I found myself saying to me, Kasia, when did you stop relying on his power? When did you stop that? And I started to think about, well, how much room was I actually leaving in my day for God? 
you know? How much room was I leaving for him to do and move and take control? And that's really sobering. Because even as Mark asked me a few weeks ago if I'd come and prepare and preach today, the, the truth is I've been a Christian long enough. I've listened to enough sermons that I could prepare something for you that had some great anecdotes, some really good principles, totally Bible-based. So not wrong, but if I'm willing to do that in my own strength, that is, that is a scary thing. That is a very scary thing. I don't want to do anything in my own strength, right? I'm turning 47 next year. <laughs> and I'm, the nice thing about being in your 40s is you kind of, your tolerance for certain things is saturated, you know? And my tolerance for my own strength, my own wisdom, my own knowledge, my own power has really reached saturation point. And I'm just, I'm in this space, and I really feel God's calling us all to get into the space where we're like, God, I need you. And the only way I'm going to get you in greater measure is if I'm the one opening up, clearing out, making decisions, and asking you in. So how do we make room? So there are three things that I want to focus on, and they're totally intertwined. So they're not, they don't exist in isolation of each other. But we need to follow him, we need to surrender, and we need to fear God. So let's start with a call to follow. One of the key things about being a Christian is disciples are called to follow, just as Dave read this morning. And there are three scriptures that are pretty much repeated in the various Gospels. And they show us, well, what does Jesus actually mean when he says follow? It's not like an Instagram follow, you know? Like, what does he actually mean? So let's look at Luke 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. In John 10, 27, it says, My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Mark 1, 17 says, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. So it's too easy to follow tradition. It's too easy to follow ritual or to follow religion. Easiest of all is to follow me, right? To follow my own desires. And that first scripture of daily, daily denying ourselves and taking up our cross, like, that's not a message that you're going to get anywhere except in the church. Every other voice is telling you to take care of yourself, to make sure you're good. And I'm not saying that those things, it's not like 
you know, that we're called to be, well, actually we are called to be martyrs, but, <laughs> but it's not a thing of, of completely ignoring our needs, but it's a thing of day by day, if my vision for the day does not involve denying myself when I've heard him, and that's that second scripture, they listen to his voice. If I'm not listening to him, denying what I want to do, taking up my cross, then am I following him? Am I following him? And that's, I think that's a really important question for us in this next season. And the third scripture of becoming fishers of men. It's so much easier to stay silent. So much easier to do our own thing. But Jesus has very, very clearly said to us, if you follow me, this is what it looks like. Which brings me to the next point of this call to surrender. So in a battle, when there are two parties, surrender comes when the one recognizes the other is more powerful, the other is greater, and they surrender and they bring themselves under the authority of the other. And so for us to deny ourselves is quite easy when we've surrendered ourselves, when we've recognized, now this is God. This is the creator of heaven and earth. And if we were going to talk about a power imbalance, this is the greatest power imbalance that ever existed, right? That we have God, and this is the crazy thing, is that we're called to surrender, but when you look at what Jesus has done for us, that's an easy thing to do. It's not like we're surrendering to a power that is out to hurt us or harm us or demand crazy things of us. No, this is God who came as a son, came down into a baby. Like This is a kind God that we surrender to. But we must surrender. I just want to read the scripture from Romans 6, 16 to 22. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now... Offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. 
But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. When, when Dave and I were going through a period of really trying to, trying to follow God wholeheartedly, we changed the screen saver on our phone so that every morning when we turned on our phones, we'd written there, you are a slave. Because we wanted to remind ourselves that we were called to be slaves of God. We were called to be slaves of righteousness. And that reminder gave us strength to follow through on decisions we'd made regarding our lifestyle, how we were spending our time. And sometimes you need that. And yes, we are children of God. But there's something about who are you surrendering to? And surrender, it's really simple to understand, but really hard to do because it's super practical. It's what are you doing with your time, your attention, your energy, your body? What are you doing? And that's where surrender lies. And the sobering question is, if we are not doing what he's called us to do, if we are not surrendered, then is he our Lord? You know? Which leads me to the third call, the call to fear God. And if you imagine that it's the following is easy when the surrendering is done. Surrendering is easy when we fear God. And the fear of God is spoken about so much in Scripture. We're told it's the beginning of wisdom, that humility is part of the fear of God. We know that this is something that God is quite passionate about. And how the fear of God, it speaks of the fear of God stops us. It keeps us from sinning. But what is it? And it really is when you see God clearly. Not the version that you want him to be. Not the version that lets you not deny yourself. That lets you tolerate things that he doesn't. But when we see him as he really is, then there's no other response but reverence and adoration and worship and lives laid down. And I really think that if this is something that you struggle with, that it's, it's time to come back and say, God, let me see you clearly. And the place where you see him the most clearly is in the word. <laughs> because it's the written word about the word of God made flesh, right? It's not someone you're following. 
It's not a book you've read. This is the book he wrote for us to reveal himself to us. I need an understanding of his supremacy and divinity. I need to understand who he is and who I am so I can understand the greatness of the salvation, so I can really understand what grace he's poured out to us, the kindness, the mercy. Because when I get that, I will count everything else as loss. And I think of Jesus in the temple and his passion to throw everything out that was distracting people from worship. And we are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I feel the call of God to each of us to say, I want you to radically clean out the temple. Like we said in that scripture in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, to cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work. This is going to take some energy and effort. Let us work towards complete holiness. And why? Because we fear God. We revere him. We worship him. We see him. See, God doesn't just want a room in my life. He's not an add-on. There's a beautiful scripture in Acts where it says, in him we live and move and have our being. That's the room he wants. He wants us to make so much room in our lives that he actually explodes out of our lives. He becomes where we live and move and have our being. So why? Why are we doing this? <laughs> I know it's a bit of a, it's not a comfortable message today, but I want to show you and remind us, what do we get in response? We're going to do a cost-benefit analysis. So God, you're calling me to deny myself. You're calling me to lay my life down, to take up my cross, to listen, to obey, to surrender, to fear you. You're calling me into all these things so that I will make room for you in my life. But what am I getting for it? And you know, the best thing is we get so much. Let's look at Acts 17, 28. Sorry, not that one. <laughs> We're going to look at Ephesians 3, 16 to 20. And it says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And Jesus 
will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. If we make room, he makes his home in our hearts. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience, not just know, but may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We get so much. Revelations 3.20, it says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. That's what he's doing today. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. We get him. We get intimacy with him in a new way. Yes, we get power and we get joy and we get all these other things, but we get him. He is our great reward. He is the only one who satisfies us. But he will never force himself into your life. We have to make room. <laughs>